My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. I want to welcome everybody to our Sunday School class today. And um, we're going to go ahead and get started uh, with the class this morning. If you'll turn in Mark to chapter 4, and we'll read the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark together as we are wont to do. Doug's there, so we'll get started. I was watching you. Yeah. All right, let's begin to read. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said unto them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns, They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? 
It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to bear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's, let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you that we can be here today in our church, gathered together to learn your word. I pray, Lord, this morning that as I teach this lesson, you'd give me your words, that I'd not embarrass you or me. And I pray, God, that you would just work in our hearts and help to illustrate what the disciples are going through here so we all understand their situation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, throughout the book of, of Mark chapter 4, Jesus has been speaking in parables to everyone that was gathered around. And uh, he, he spoke, what we, we look at the parables and we go, oh yeah, okay, I get that. But they didn't, they didn't get it at all. And so he spoke truth, but this, the truth was hidden from those who ultimately, they weren't going to believe. And so he, did, he wasn't wasting his time teaching them truth that they would understand and then reject. But he taught the, those that would believe, he privately taught them what all of these parables meant. Now, we know from the uh, next couple of years of ministry that Jesus had on the earth, that all throughout that time, even though the disciples were plainly taught by Jesus, and in their head they probably could recite back to you what the meaning of all these parables, I can tell you that they didn't get it. You know, they, they didn't get it. And we're that way too, aren't we? Sometimes, we you know, I remember... You know, I went to Bible college. I have like 98 hours of Bible education, straight Bible. All right? And you would think that I would know a lot. But as I've gotten older, I found out that I don't know as much as I did when I was 25. You know, you, you just don't. And uh, some of you that are close to my age can, can relate to that. Some of y'all, you're not there yet. You still know a lot. You know, okay, but you'll get over that. But what, okay, I'm gonna get back to this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, "Let us go across to the other side." And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. I think that there are some things that are lost in this story here. Um, that that I, I just want to point out a little bit. 
The boat that Jesus was in wasn't the only boat. There were other boats that went across with him, and they were all full of people that wanted to be his disciples. They wanted to be part of his crowd. But only one of the boats had Jesus in it. All right, He was in one, and the rest of them were kind of coming along to uh, follow on. Now, there's not some deep theological thing about that. This isn't going to be a big theological lesson today. This is going to kind of... Today's lesson is going to try to explain some of the things that are happening in this story so that we can understand where the disciples were coming from and what Jesus was doing and, and all that. Because it's easy for us to read this and go, oh, okay, there was a storm. They thought they were sinking. and They, they thought they were going to die and all this. And I, I just want us to understand everything about this that, that we can. So there were other boats with him. And then um, a great windstorm arose. Now, now we're going to have a little geography lesson, okay? The Sea of Galilee is near, nearly six, 700 feet below sea level. You know, it's kind of hard to imagine, but it is. 700 feet below sea level. Sea of Galilee is 8 miles wide and 12 miles long. It's, it's 64 square miles, roughly. Chickamauga Lake is 56 square miles. If, if you've only seen Chickamauga Lake from the dam, then, then you haven't seen Chickamauga Lake. It's really big. That's a lot of square miles for a lake. Um, the Sea of Galilee, you can stand on its shore, and because of the topography of the land, you can see the land all the way around it, even though it's 64 square miles, because it's in a mountainous region. Um, the, the hills of Galilee rise up to about 1,400 feet, but the Golan Heights on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee go up to more than 2,000 feet. So it's, it's pretty high, it's pretty steep. And so that's kind of the lay of the land. Um, because of its location in the mountainous areas, sudden violent storms can happen at, at, at any time. Now, there are prevailing winds coming in off the Mediterranean, over the hills and down in there, but when there's going to be a violent storm, it usually comes from the winds coming from the east and over the mountains and down onto the lake, and um, it gets really bad there. And... Uh, let me see if I can do this. Oh, do this. Okay. We're having an operator problem. Okay. We can't read this very well. Is this one better? Go to the next one, David. No, I like the first one. You can't read it, but I like the... You see, the Sea of Galilee... The, the hills and the mountains come almost right down to the sea. And it's, and it's very steep. And if you, you'll know the name of the Golan Heights because Israel took it away from Syria a long time ago and kept it and, uh, for their own security. But when they, the winds will come out of the east and down these mountains and across this lake and... Down here in the Sea of Galilee, it's a subtropical climate there. It's, it's really nice. It, the water is warm. But when these cool winds coming out of Syria down onto the lake, 
meet that warm water, bad things happen. Okay? And some of these storms, the winds can get up to 50, 60 miles an hour. We're talking about a, a tropical storm on a lake. And a lake that is average is only about 200 feet deep. You know, to us, that 200 feet deep sounds like a lot, but it's not really when it comes to bodies of water. And so all, all of the action in these storms is on the surface of the lake. The, the lake isn't deep enough to absorb all of the, uh, the weather phenomenon and, and let it go down. Um, so the storms happen very violently. They happen very quickly. And if any boat is out on the lake at that time, they are in immediate life-threatening danger. And we're talking, they can look up in the sky and everything is cool, and 10 minutes later, there's a massive storm, and they're in trouble, and they can't, they can't get out of it. So, uh, so that's, that's what things can be like like that. The, remember the disciples, I'm tethered here because of that camera. The, um, the disciples, about half the disciples were fishermen. They, they grew up on the Sea of Galilee. They were on that lake their entire lives. They've been out on the sea in all types of weather conditions. They've, they've seen it all. These are seasoned fishermen. And nothing out there made them afraid. They, they knew what they were doing. And a storm to pop up, that was no big deal. But this was special. Uh, it, the Bible says here, in verse 37, it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. The great windstorm means an exceedingly loud, large, and mighty. It is a storm of extra ferocity. It's a, it, this is a superstorm here. And they weren't prepared for that. The, these boats that they were in were open boats. Yeah, so when they started filling with water, that, that was a problem. Um, the disciples knew what to do. They were doing everything within their power to keep those boats afloat. And it was, it was bad. So here it's, it says, the waves were breaking in the boat and it was already filling. It happened just that fast. It was that violent and, and, and that quick that immediately their boats started, started filling with water. David, can you start that video, please? This is fun. He's going to find the video. This runs for a few minutes, but I think you'll want to see Gabe will like this. This, this is what it's like to be on a destroyer. And um, I did this. Gabe did this. And there is not an amusement park ride in the world that is better than this. This is, <laughs> this is awesome, right? I, I'd do it again today. It is awesome. You know, but look at this. How big those swells are, and then the ship just comes up out of it. You know, sometimes literally out of it, you know. It's pretty neat. This is uh, not really everyday life for a destroyer sailor, 
But when it gets a little bit bad, yeah. These ships aren't, they're not rolling because they have stabilizers on them. It's cheating. Uh, when I was aboard ship, we, we did it all. We did the rocking and the rolling. We'd take 40-degree rolls. And um, walking on walls, yeah, you could do that. The Matrix, Jim, has nothing. <laughs> nothing on sailors. It was great. Here in a minute, and so this is, this is going to be kind of like what it was like for the disciples, except they weren't on a 350-foot destroyer. They were on maybe a 25-foot boat that was open. This is, this is sealed up tight, and nobody's outside because that's dumb. <laughs> when, you were in, when you were in seas like this, on a, on a roller coaster, you're riding like this? Not here. <laughs> Three points of contact. Look, this aircraft carrier, I want, look, these men here on the side, they're just, they're spectators, and look at this. I think that might be a cruiser there now. But look at it riding. This is not going to sea. How many of y'all have ever been to sea on anything? Anybody? Cruise ships? That's not going to sea. <laughs> this this here, that is going to sea. And it was... I love this stuff. <laughs> If you ever see my Facebook page, you'll see a lot of this stuff because it's cool. The last time I went to sea was 2003, and we went to the North Sea and um, on our way to Norway. And it was, it was kind of like this. It was a little disappointing because I was on a bigger ship, and it didn't, do, it didn't ride like destroyers. But um, I live for this stuff. Okay, David, you can turn it off. But you can see... It, it's rough, you know, and, and seasoned, seasoned sailors, when they're in seas like this, there's only one thing they worry about, and that's not spilling their coffee. You know, they're, they're not concerned about this. Now, some, some kid right out of boot camp going to sea, he's scared out of his mind, but everybody else is just trying not to spill their coffee. I learned how not to spill my soup. You fill it with crackers. <laughs> and you make it spill proof I still do it today I haven't spilled any soup or chili in years but it works the, um, I need to get back to this <clears throat> I could sell, tell sea stories all day long and, um, and just go from there um, the waves were breaking in the boat right away. They were, you know, they were they were afraid. And when seasoned sailors get afraid that they're going to sink and die, it's it's, it's really bad. You know, it's bad. Um, the storm came on fast and hard. They took water right away. And in spite of the seasoned fishermen's best efforts, their boat was sinking. They were in trouble. They were going to drown, it was hopeless for them. That's how bad it was. So when we read here in verse 38, it says, but, but Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, 
And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That question is not some hyperbole or anything. It is, we're, we're going to die. Don't you even care that we're going to die? And, and they're, they're, they're serious. It's, um, it's really something. They're desperate at this point. And they're waking him up, I guess, so that he would know that he's dying. All right? You know, you don't want to die and not know it. So, <clears throat> but he was in a stern asleep. Now, in the, in, the video, in the videos that we watched, you saw that on, in the bow of the ship, as it was going through the waves, it was very violent, a lot of up and down motion and all that. When you're going into the waves, into the storm, like the disciples were, remember, they're going from the west side of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee to the east. They're heading straight into the storm. So everything is coming at them. And so their, their little boat is doing all this stuff. And all the violent action of this is in the front half of the boat. The back half of the boat, believe it or not, is, is not so bad. I mean, you're still going up and down like that, but you're not getting beat up like the front end of the boat is. So Jesus is, is in the back of the boat, in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And I'm telling you, he was out. He was sound asleep because there is no sleep like being at sea asleep. You know, I mean, you're just rock normally. <laughs> you're just kind of rock gently and your head hits the pillow and you are out. You know, there's probably a lot involved in that, but the motion of the ship and the constant hum of the machinery, it, you're, just, you're just out. But the best place on the ship to sleep, when, when I was a board destroyer, I was, I was a gunner's mate. I slept up in the, in the bow of the ship. My birthing compartment was up there. And so it, it could be interesting trying to sleep. You didn't sleep on your slide, on your side. You slept on your back or on your stomach, spread eagle. As much as that much of a bed could give you, but you spread out because you didn't want to be rolling around, and you definitely didn't want to roll out of the bed onto the deck below you, especially if you were in the top bunk, right? That would not be cool. Um, nowadays, they have straps, but sissies. <laughs> but Jesus was asleep in the stern. And it, it is calmer back there, and it is easier to sleep, and it's not as severe. And so when he went to sleep, he was out. Remember, he had, he had had a full day of teaching thousands of people, and, and frankly, it's, it's exhausting to teach, and especially if you teach all day. I remember... When Sherry and I, years ago, we were on deputation. We'd travel to churches all across the southeast. And um, I would speak for, I was going to say 30 minutes, but it was never 30 minutes. It was more like 45 minutes. But I, I would speak to the church or Sunday school class or something. And then I, I, I was done. All I really wanted at that point, 
was a big glass of tea and a nap because it's a lot. It's like putting in a full day's work. When, when, when Gary or Brian or anybody that preaches in church, they're spent when they get done. And some, you know, whoever teach, preaches here does it three times in one day. And so they're, they're done. You know, it takes, it's a lot, a lot of effort. So Jesus taught this crowd all day long. And he was teaching people that weren't going to believe what he said anyway. The biggest majority of them, they were there for the miracles and they were there to see what he could do for them right now rather than saving their souls. So he was out. He was dead out. And then the disciples woke him up and they weren't, you know, they were terrified. They The end was near. The boat was filling. They couldn't keep up with getting the water out of it. Unless Jesus did something, they were going to die. And they knew it. And so, if you're ever on board a ship that's doing what we just saw here, go to the back, lay down, take a nap, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Some of the best sleeping I ever did was in after steering where I was supposed to be on watch. <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's loud, and it's just a constant loud hum, and you're just kind of moving around. And staying awake is the biggest challenge that you have back there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to see it coming like yeah yeah so <laughs> so you don't want to ever go to sea with me and then uh <laughs> So the disciples are desperate, ship's going down, and they're going to die. And then they wake Jesus up, and then Jesus woke up, he says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now I'm going to tell you that these, one thing, I don't know if you noticed or not, but in this video that we were showing, it wasn't raining. That was, that was the wind churning that water up like that. Now, there may have been a storm before this, but it wasn't raining. This is, this is all wind causing the water to churn up like that in the open ocean where it is thousands of feet deep. And the, and the sea can absorb a lot of the forces of, of the wind and nature and air pressure and all that. They were on a lake where everything is right on the surface with them. Um, yeah, man, my, my mind just went blank. I hate when it happens. That also happens a lot when you get older. <laughs> so he awoke and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and that was it. The wind is gone. The sea is calm. After, when a hurricane comes through, When the hurricane is over, it takes a week or more for the sea to calm down after that. It never, never is, hurricane's over, sea's calm, flat as a mirror, 
It, do, it just doesn't work like that. It never happens. So we have the disciples here that are terrified that they're going to die. They wake Jesus up. He rebukes the wind and says, Peace be still to the sea. The wind is instantly gone. The sea is instantly calm. And the disciples are left gone. And then Jesus, he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? The word afraid here is not the same word as in verse 41, where filled with great fear is a different word altogether. This, this word here, when why are you so afraid, he's asking, why are you so cowardly? Why are you so chicken? You, you, you still don't have faith? They should. You know, they've been with Jesus for a while. And they should have known who he was. But they still didn't really know who he was. Remember at this time, Israel was looking for a Messiah. And the disciples knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But what they were all really looking for was a Messiah that was going to rescue them from Rome. They had no idea that Messiah was coming to rescue their souls and to turn their lives around. They, had, they didn't have that concept. Even though they were walking with Jesus, they didn't get it. And I think sometimes that we don't either. So we ask them, why are you so cowardly? Why are you, do you still not have faith? And then in verse 41, it says, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, it's an interesting thing here. There's a, there's a phrase, some Greek words that are used. And um, the literal translation of these words is, They feared with fear great. And... In the Scripture, sometimes when the Lord is really wanting to emphasize something or He's wanting to, to drive something home, He will use the word twice or two similar words together. The one example that comes to my mind all the time is the phrase, ego eimi. This is the phrase that Jesus used in the I Am's passage. You know, I am the way of life. I am the truth. You know, all that. The ego, amy. Ego means I, amy, I am. So I, I am is a very clear teaching of his divinity that he was God in the flesh. And that got the Pharisees excited. They understood that exactly. They understood that well. That's why they wanted to kill him. But here... We, we have, they feared with great fear. And um, at home, I could pronounce these words, but standing up here, it's a problem, okay? But um, two of the words are very similar. They come from the same root of phobos. Uh, phobia is where we get that. Um, but these three words, this, the third word is megan, which means great. And these three words in combination basically means they have never been so afraid in their life. This is, this is, they were in a puddle 
of fear. Because what just happened never happened. It not only did it did they never see it happen, it never happened. It wasn't possible in the natural realm. It could only happen if it was a supernatural thing. And they witnessed Jesus tell the wind to stop and the sea to be still and instantly there wasn't another wave. It was smooth. And they were left with this question. Who who then is this? And they didn't say it as smoothly, I'm sure, as it is written here. Who then is this that even in the wind, even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm pretty sure that they were going, oh, who is this? And this is just the disciples that were in the boat with Jesus. Remember, there were other boats. They didn't hear the conversation. You know, above the howling wind and the roaring of the waves and the sea, you have to yell to be heard when you're out like that. These guys in these other boats, they were, they were just along for the ride. They didn't know what happened. All of a sudden, they're in the midst of this storm. They're all fighting for their lives, and then it's over. And these guys in this other boat, I'm sure they're like, I don't know what just happened, but it's not, that's not supposed to happen. That's not how this works. Remember I said it takes a week or more for the seas to settle down. And the disciples, they're questioning, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Jesus had been teaching them who He was. And they should have gotten it by then, but, but they didn't. I don't, they just didn't understand. And I think that when God works in our lives like that, Sometimes we, we, don't, we know God did something, but we don't understand how He did that because we'll know that that's not how this is supposed to work. But it does. So their question, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? I have the answer. Many years later, the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. That is who He was. He was Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of all. Jim. So thank you, Brett. No, 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 So, so what you guys don't know is that there are several people sitting in this room week after week after week who encourage and uh, pray for and are faithful, dependable uh, friends and family. Uh, and I can tell, I promise you, 
when Mitch and Sherry are here, which is about 90% of the time, uh, if I say anything that deviates one degree from what the scripture clearly taught, Mitch is going to be standing right here and going, so have you thought about this before? <laughs> and it's never a, hey, you're, it's, it's a, hey, brother, I love you. If you have watched me develop and grow and mature as a teacher, it is because of men and women like Mitch and Sherry. And uh, he doesn't realize how good he is at this. Uh, and when we were talking about uh, teachers and subs and whatnot, I taught a class. All, you were talking about how exhausting it is to teach a class. I taught a class all day yesterday. I'm spent. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I knew if I tried to teach today, it wouldn't be very good. And uh, lo and behold, the text just happened to be something that he spent his life doing. This is what you call a no-brainer, right? And uh, so thank you, brother. We appreciate thank your, you. uh, your service and your work. And this is what it looks like. I want everybody to clearly understand. This is what it looks like when you take what God has put in your hand and you use it for his glory. This is the skill set. This is the experience. And I'm going to pour it all out and declare Jesus is the Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Son of God. So thank you, brother. We appreciate that very much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.